minute. Crossface. The Daily Talk Show. A conversation sometimes worth recording with Josh Jansen and Tommy Jacket. It's The Daily Talk Show, everyone. Special guest joining us, Bianca Chatfield. Hello, boys. Yo, yo. Am I working? Yeah, yeah, we can oh, hear you. You're working. Oh, I good. thought you meant like, am I working? Am I on? <laughs> yeah. You're, on. <laughs> you're not getting paid for this, so... Uh, <laughs> so I'm not working, Technically no. not working. <laughs> Just having a chat. But um, on the time that we are recording this, this is the first day that you've actually been able to say that you're on the block. <gasps> that I am on the block. I, it's, do you know what? I feel like it hasn't even happened. Like, I've wanted to do this for so long. I'm one of those obsessive people about the show I've always watched it and I've always thought you know what I reckon I could do that but obviously playing netball you can't really do that so I know someone who went up against you in a challenge for an audition for the block oh, the previous year so not yes. so not the the Gatwick which is this season mm-hmm. um, so yeah they, they, were, they hate you because <laughs> oh. you beat them I think <laughs> no well, so for people who uh, aren't from Australia is, yeah. the, is the block international like do they have versions yeah. overseas well they do but also this series or the Australian series goes to air in 40 different countries that's Holy insane moly. so apparently even like we get translated into different languages you have like your own voice and shit I want to like, know who, who the translator is does yeah, that sound too. a bit like me yeah, well. <laughs> really deep female voice yeah. for Bianca <laughs> so back to how it all what you have to go through people think just because I'm a netballer that I just put up my hand and I'm they're like yep you're on yeah but for this series 45,000 teams applied like that's great and there'd be a lot of sporting people that probably apparently there is a lot of sporting people we don't know because they don't ever tell you who else has applied and plus you don't care because you're on because we're on but but we thought we were going to be on last series and we went through all the process so you've got to go through all these interviews and then you've got to do a challenge which is where I met your mate and his wife and we you know had to do that against each other sort of trying to compete but you've got to try and work together and it's just a really odd environment and then you go away and you just sit there waiting for your phone to ring like for someone to tell you whether you're on or off and when it came to the Elston Week series I think we got told 10 days before we were meant to start filming that we weren't on and so when you kind of get that news you're like oh god yeah is it worth like waiting again for another 12 months to find out if we get on and going through this same thing where you got to give up your job and anything that you're doing just to take this opportunity. Well, the reality is there's people out there going, we should hold off having kids because we might be on yes, there out of that absolutely. foot. So that's like, such a big thing. Didn't you like get to some level? Yeah, we. Of, this was the year that they didn't do the block and we entered because they never said that it wasn't going to be the block, but it was another show. Thank yeah. God we didn't get on because it didn't do too well. What was well, it? It was renovation. Oh, Renault Rumble or something? Yes, I think it was that. Oh. But no, I don't know. Nothing happened with it. But yeah, we did a few interviews and yep. uh, we met Lucky, who I'm sure oh, you've met. yes. Lucky is now a very good mate of mine. Yeah, so um, we we did, but yeah, my wife was really keen on getting on. She probably still is. Yeah, but I don't know how I'd go on reality TV. <laughs> like I think about myself, but maybe I'm. I always think maybe I'm too media trained. Yeah, if, if you will, <laughs> like maybe because I've trained to be a presenter. You definitely TV. have a presenter type voice. Tommy and I have done shoots together where all yep. he has to do is yeah. like ask a question to a beauty blogger. Yeah. And he's like, so tell us, what's your yeah. favourite exfoliator? And I always think <laughs> reality shows, they want loose units. How did you they go? They do. Well, that, yeah. Well, I think that's where I'm probably going to be a bit of a disappointment because I wasn't overly loose and at different <laughs> times they would try and say, come on girls, don't be like your sporting type when you're getting interviewed after a game. And But you know what? There's plenty of other loose characters on the show with us Good. this season so <laughs> they, well, they might, provide all the ridiculous entertainment they might be channeling the loose units that were at the Gatwick which <laughs> is the building that the block's on this year oh, do you know that was the hardest thing going in um because you felt really sad because mm. they still had all their belongings in the rooms in the old oh, hotel no. rooms they had the like old mattresses and the wardrobes and the you know some clothes in the wardrobe and you just were going through oh, thinking oh my gosh someone lived here and it's their photos on the wall and for context that people Ooh. don't know what the Gatwick is I grew up 
steering clear of it. It was. It's almost. Uh, uh, am I right in saying that a woman inherited or her family owned it, or she was rich and bought it, and she almost was like a, a uh, <clears throat> someone looking to help people in need, and so they were yeah. cheap rooms. Is this the one in St Kilda? Yeah, in a, a really lovely uh, area. Yeah, that they people could live in, and so there was a lot of drug addicts, and yeah. a guy got murdered out the front of it. Yeah, was I it like a halfway a house? Is that a yeah. thing? So it used to be like back in the thirties. Yeah. I've got all the history here. Used to be a luxury uh, hotel. So that's how it all started. And then it became, I guess, worse and worse. And yeah, the two sisters that mm. in- inherited it just wanted to help people. And so let everybody in and obviously didn't charge a lot of rent to live there. But there were people who were obviously very affected by drugs that lived there. Yeah. But then there were also apparently a couple who had lived there for 30 years mm. just because it was cheap rent and they loved the area. I know someone that was not doing too well and they went with somebody who was scoring heroin from there Mm. and he was not a heroin addict the person he was with was and he said that he shat himself going in there like so this is when people are living there yeah he said people would be standing at their doors looking out and just like giving you these faces because they're like who's this person is he a cop and so i was like totally eerie but on the other side it's in a very expensive area and it's Mm. a grand old building so Mm. it's like the perfect perfect reno building well it is and the probably the thing that made us feel good about what we were doing was that all the neighbors in the area would come up to us and they'd be like if you need a shower come to our house like we want we want you to guys to do this we want it to change the area we need it to change the area and yeah they were all for it so even noise complaints i don't think we had too many of those throughout the whole series so was it bought like how does it work was it bought by the producers or Channel 9 or like what's the process in this? Yeah, so Channel 9 buy the building. Uh, then they obviously get all the architects to come in and work out how it can be made into apartments. We go in there and do it. We're given a cash budget to do it and vouchers and whatever else over 12 weeks. And at the end, it goes to auction. So it goes to the auction at the end of October. Uh, and whatever the reserves are, which we don't know yet, uh, anything that we make over the reserve, we get to keep. So, so you're 100% going to walk away with something if we don't know. To say that- like if it sells for exactly what the reserve is then we don't get anything because wasn't yeah. there uproar in previous years where people walk away being like I've made absolutely nothing for all this time <laughs> yeah there, there, there definitely is at different times you can see people's reactions they're either like super happy or they're mm. disappointed and do you know I'd watch those auctions and I'd get I'm not really an emotional person and I'd get so emotional watching it for them and I can't even imagine sitting on that couch now mm. in you know four months time and actually having to see how it all plays out so the the idea is that uh how many teams are there so there's five teams and they're all renovating a separate is like a unit apartment we've all got an apartment each okay yep so three bedroom three or two bathroom and a powder room so they're quite big and so have you got experience in renovating and stuff previously or a little bit i've done two apartments before but like little apartments nothing like this yeah so It's kind of like a fake it till you make it mentality. And so who did you partner up with? (laughs) So I did it with a great friend of mine, Carla, who's also another netballer. So two girls on the show, both six foot two tall. So you can imagine all the tall jokes that are flying around every single day. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we just, we both knew we'd have the work ethic. Like we knew we'd stay up all night if we had to, to get it done. Whereas some of the other teams that, you know, the guys are trades, like builders, and that made it life a lot easier. And the girls would sometimes go to bed at 10 o'clock at night and not stay up painting, whereas we had to. So Whose idea was it to actually go on it? It was mine. As a team, you roped her in? Yep, I roped her in. Well, isn't she, she should be thankful. Yeah. <laughs> well, depending on the well, outcome. Oh, yeah, true, yeah. true, true. So we probably hate and love each other at different times. And so it's not like it, this isn't like a celebrity version or anything like this. No. It's just happened. They just... Just your everyday people. That's who we are. And so uh, you're, you know, netball player in Australia. When did that all finish up for you? I retired from the Aussie team at the Com Games in 2014 in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And then I retired from Melbourne Vixens the year after in 2015. Yeah. You were captaining there? Yeah, captain the Vixens, vice captain of the Aussie team. And yeah, my body, I was 33, I think, by the time I'd finished and my body was just dead. So You've been playing since you were 11 or something. Oh, yeah. You? And 18, I made the Australian team as an 18-year-old, which is so young and in hindsight probably too young. Um, but yeah, I'd been smashing my body. What? I think just because you're not really 
ready. Like your body's not really ready. Mm. I, I physically probably was, but your joints and everything, if you're on the court training every single day, it just takes its toll after a while. Yeah. Like knees um, and stuff. Yeah, yeah my like knees. Ne- yeah, terrible. Is that like a common netball? I feel like uh, my experience is playing mixed netball for oh, Envato, really? a tech company that did sort of lunchtime uh, netball that's sort of my career what well, position did you play uh, oh, look, you'd be a wing defence I yeah, think do you reckon yeah absolutely yeah. always <laughs> always sort of uh, definitely not a goalsman yeah <laughs> goalsman. definitely not goal, centre goal shooter goal where, where, goal. Did, where did even netball come from because uh, <laughs> like you speak to I feel like I've had international people come over and I'm trying to explain netball and they're thinking I'm talking what? about handball. They're yeah. like, do you mean handball? Do you mean lacrosse? I'm like, no. Basketball? <laughs> yes. So where did where did netball actually Well, it used from? to be called basketball. It was from England yeah. and they used to call it basketball. And then when it came out to Australia, we changed it to netball. But what was basketball called? Well, basketball. I think it was all just the same sport. And then it kind of like well, They said the girls can't run. Yeah, the no girls more can running. No travelling. Stop, yeah. Is it a female sport? Like is it... Predominantly. Like, yeah. But there is a men's Australian team. We used to play against them all the time with the like female Australian team because they're taller and they're stronger and they're fitter. I mean, I hate to admit that, but they are. So we used to play against them quite a bit just well, for... My, un- my uncle owns Albert Park Indoor Sports Centre, so that's the closest I've got. Indoor netball centre. Yeah. I used to work there as a kid and uh, hand out all the bibs. You didn't put on a bib yourself? I never did. No, no. I used to play footy and stuff for club and um, school, but never did. I was there to make the bacon. <laughs> so what? <laughs> oh, 12 what's bucks the, an hour. Well, you don't get that plan <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, what, what is the business model behind uh, uh, an athlete that's playing netball? Is it... Is it a <laughs> question? Is it a, full, is it a full-time gig? Is it like you're relying? Block, you don't know if you'll get money until yeah, the end. Yeah, you don't really know what's happening. Well, when it all started, it was just a hobby, really. Yeah. And I had to go to uni. I did all, a teaching degree at uni. Like you really have to have two parts of your life. Like you can't just rely on being an athlete. But fortunately for me, by the end of my career, so probably my last five years, I was a full-time athlete because sponsors are the ones that pay you more than what you actually get paid to play. Um, and probably the most ridiculous thing that people don't realise is for us, we get paid more to play for your club than you do to play for your country. That's crazy. So <laughs> you get government funding to play for your country. Well, it, the Olympic Games is a business in itself, isn't it? So the yeah, but Nepal's not. No, no, it's Nepal's in Commonwealth Games. Games. Oh, not get, Olympics. It's not in the Olympics. No. So yeah, you get more to play for Melbourne than you do to play for Australia. Um, so then, yeah, I would make most of my money to survive just from sponsors do you you think that keeps you more grounded like i guess in some regards there's other you know people go off the rails when they finish sport probably having that balance do you think you're less likely to sort of you know you hear the like the the swimmers all go crazy you know like shout out to thorpey no no, thorpey i was thinking you know i I remember when i was like a um, I used to be 120 kilos and I used to love nothing. Really? I used to love watching the swimmers get really fat after a career because I just felt like... <laughs> did it a, make you feel better? Yeah, it was a little bit of relatability. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I could do this whole swimming thing. Maybe I'm... <laughs> how, all, uh, how, I'm fascinated by this. How did you lose the weight? Oh, uh, pretty, yo-yo dieting. No, I, it, would be good to, <laughs> it would be good to say that there was some... This is the opportunity for me to show one of my fat... Like, oh, I, yes, I love, I love comparison I love photos. It's amazing. So, uh, paint the picture. Josh is 89, 88 now. Yeah, I was probably 87 at the beginning of the week, probably, <laughs> probably 89.5 now. By the time you get back from Europe, four yeah. months. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> here's a photo from a few years ago with, of me there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so the, me that was time. a Thailand trip. Yeah. And, uh, and sort of I'm on a boat there and I would have I was wearing 3XL T-shirts. That was the best thing. But then I even had this uh, uh, more recent one, which was only five years ago. Uh, oh, my gosh. And so, you look so different. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's but like even in a, your face, not a little American kid. I look like I should have it? like a motorhome yeah. or something. <laughs> what was the light bulb moment for you that triggered it? Um, so I, a bunch of things. I used to. I worked on a. I was a community manager on a film called Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, which was like a juicing, Jeez. juicing type film. Is that on Netflix? So yeah, it's on Netflix. It was at the time it was the biggest net, uh, documentary on Netflix before yeah. it came to Australia and all that sort of thing. And weight was always a, a big thing, but it was definitely, I used to, to, to be that, that's like, it was sugar. Sugar was 100% yeah. mm. the thing. And so for me, 
it was realizing that I would never feel satiated. And the reason was, was because I wasn't actually eating food. Like I wouldn't eat meals. Yeah. So I would not eat all day. And then I would have like heaps of chocolate, which yeah. would have been like 200 sorry 2000 calories i'm probably eating in sweet food but there was actually nothing in my stomach mm. so i think the biggest shift i made was going to two meals a day yeah and um i think that the other thing that uh, was counterintuitive was i wouldn't have breakfast like i i would used to have breakfast and it was always really unhealthy because the whole story is you better you should have breakfast and yeah. it was at a time where i remember mum saying to me well it's better I remember being in like Vanuatu on a holiday when I was a kid and and I was having donuts and she's like well you know what like donuts is better than nothing and I really don't I I don't stand by that (laughs) I think that's a a motto so yeah I uh I lost a bunch of weight and so it's been over the last few years keeping you know I keep it off and I definitely Tony Robbins calls it zigging and zagging which is sort of going like it's sort of I'll have a day where I'm maybe eating more calories yep. and then I'll have a day. It's almost like the 5-2 diet yeah. if you know I oh, Yeah, I, I, I really like 5-2 actually because yeah. I feel like now I've got to change my eating now. I'm not playing. Mm. But um, yeah, I like to be able to have a couple of days where I just literally have the bare minimum because you don't need that much yeah. food. And it's a good remi- I think it's a good reminder too where it's like you can do without. Like I used to think that uh, being hungry was this like really bad feeling and I would straight away eat something yeah. versus like feeling it out and because what I find is that like it the hunger lasts for a really short period of time and so the other big thing was just thinking about things like insulin and like spot and realizing that oh like if I have something sweet at the beginning of the day if I have pancakes in the morning that's going to like throw mm. everything else yeah. out. if you think about your body taking in this stuff like sugar like it's actually then working really hard to yeah. regulate you so it's like your body's under pressure when you're eating all this sugar mm. yeah but the biggest shift i think because i've done every single diet you can think of I've, I've done ketogenic i've done yeah. whole 30 i've done uh slow carb everything <laughs> like i've done juice juice fasting and so lemon detox yeah never did the lemon detox oh, but um <laughs> but the thing with the juicing the juicing one was horrendous because i couldn't i was the community manager of this uh this film and so there was this whole thing where you'd say juice on like you drink juice and there was a two-week juice fast oh. and the first video i made was me f- filming myself saying hey everyone it's josh the community australian community manager juice on uh, I would have been 20 at the time and I started drinking and I vomited up the juice Ew. because I put too much ginger. I love gingerbread, not the same as putting ginger into this. Fresh ginger. So, yeah, so I put like, uh, they said put a thumb in. I've already got a fat thumb. And so I put a lot of ginger into this and sort of burned that. But I basically did two weeks of drinking orange juice like oh, I, it was oh so no. bad. it was so like oh no. I, and i got a dexa scan done oh yeah and i'd lost like i'd lost in two weeks i'd lost over 15 kilos holy shit yeah but it was like seven kilograms of lean like yeah, muscle, I, lean, muscle. Yeah. Oh, i was God. literally yeah. like dying and you're meant to have like have um vegetables and salad and sort of like yeah. plant-based stuff at this to sort of go back into eating and the first meal i had was uh a curry with like coconut rice. It was like the worst. <laughs> just horrendous. Chicken, you mean. Did yeah, you do yeah. much exercise? Because this is what people think. People think that you lose weight because of exercise nah. that you do. But it's like we've always been told it's like 70% nutrition and mm. 30% the exercise that you do that can help you be whatever you want to be. Well, I think that's where – that's the the stage I'm at now. Is So the way that I lost it too was because I had two herniated discs. So my back was fucked. So I was yeah. like I'm going to – so I started walking a lot. And that was a big thing. I'd walk uh, 10 kilometers a day, five kilometers to and from my work at the time. So that was really helpful. But the thing that Tommy is trying to instill now, and it's very much the Craig Harper sort of, you know, life philosophy. (laughs) Which is is fucking lift some heavy stuff. And because I haven't, I haven't. I think when you got the food right, which you do now, it's more Mm. under control. It's like then, if that's your normal now, let's Mm -hmm. then add on something like normal exercise make exercise normal yeah mm. how different when you left how, like how how much weight training, did you gain how much training were yeah i'll get there how, how much training get? were you doing and then at what point does it cut off um like what do you mean when i retired yeah so well, from a pro athlete to 
So we would train every day, like whether it be strength training, court work, you know, keeping fit, all of that. And I think that your body gets so used to that kind of training that as soon as I retired, I actually got leaner because mm. I would lose all this bulky muscle that I had on me and I yeah. would just get like skinny arms. And I was like, oh, this is really weird. I'm not used to being like this. But I would keep training just doing cardio because I had this real thing about I've spent so much time lifting weights. I just don't want to lift weights anymore. Mm. I don't want to have my big swimming shoulders and I can't stand it. So, yeah, then I actually got a lot leaner and found that exercise for me became something I kept doing most days because it mentally made me feel good. Like Mm, it was time away from my phone and, uh, yeah. Did you enjoy training more, taking it from a job? Yep. to a thing you're just wanting to yep. do. And, or? you know, some days when you're like, I just can't be bothered going or I just want to go and like fluff around on a cross trainer and watch TV at the gym rather mm. than do something that's really intense and really hard. And that was probably the biggest adjustment, going from absolutely flogging your body where it makes you feel good like you've done something to then just exercising that's makes that's good for you. It's not needing to flog mm. your body all the time. Yeah. I can't. Like mum's cooking when we left the house. She actually enjoyed cooking rather than having to cook for three exactly. boys. Exactly, that's right. It's, there's something you find the love for it because it's different. <laughs> yeah. yeah, group training I can't stand. Why not? Oh, come on. I, can, no, Why? I just I can't do like I can't do with social situations already. <laughs> Everyone's puffy <laughs> so like, and panty. You don't so, need to talk. No, but the thing is, it's social situations and then putting something that I'm not good at. It's sort of like a. A panic attack waiting to happen. You would hate at forty-five then. Yeah, no, well, yeah. I do that a lot. You would hate it. Well, I've tried. <laughs> I've tried doing. Uh, I've done so many different types of. I've had so many PTs over the years. Yeah, and I, I get frustrated having conversations with Josh, as you can <laughs> tell the themes of them. But it's like, how would you suggest? For someone to find something, do you even need well, you to like need to, the exercise? I don't think you need to go to the gym. I think like, I think there's something weird about driving somewhere to then get out of your car and to exercise what? <laughs> versus just like go like actually it doing the exit like going like what, for a run well like doing something that's self-contained i just feel like the yeah the i feel the same. i used to be a pt yeah banker and um i would always say if driving to the gym is a thing that gets you to do the thing that's yeah, fine yeah. because if you're at the you're if you're at the you know bayside you know muscle gym on the beach mm-hmm. and you're doing chin-ups and stuff and that's your thing then that's cool it's just about removing any of those barriers yeah oh it's too yes. cold outside we'll go to the gym well that's the thing I, I hate the weather and that if it's cold i ain't going outside yeah so mm. f45 for me i like it because i go and you sign up you don't know what you're doing mm. and when you get there you're just locked in like mm. you can't leave once you see how hard it's going to be and so you just have to do it for 45 minutes sounding like a cult it's a bit, <laughs> no it is kind of you're there you're locked social. in social like it's fun and I just feel normal rather than people seeing you as being an athlete because yeah. I can fluff around and do nothing if I really feel like it or I can train hard. But I like the fact that you got to go and you're locked into a time. Yeah. yeah. Well, my girlfriend, Bray, she's like, she's got like a certificate of the most, like she's attended the most classes at her oh. training. It's like over 600 That's in epic. a row or something. It's quite um, insane. Josh and I talk about the bubble of radio. We both worked in it. Yeah. And when we kind of, you know, you're so in it and everything's about radio and you leave and you're like... There's life after radio. Yeah. Is that the same for netball? What's the bubble of netball? Do you know, that is the same for netball. It's the same for the block. Like, it's like you're in this bubble and you can't even see outside of it. Yeah. You can't even understand that there's people in the world that don't care about it when it consumes <laughs> every thought that you ever have. And the minute I retired, I almost found it... Um, I think I, th- I thought to myself, why did I play for so long when 1% of the world, probably if that care about netball yeah. <laughs> it was really weird and I keep saying it to players now that still play I'm like don't worry when you finish no one even cares like and yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or not to promote you're, you're, but you're speaking Spanish at that point yeah, yeah it's, I remember hearing weird. that stuff it's um but it's also nice to know that there's so many exciting things to look forward to yeah. and that's what I think the difference is having a balanced kind of career as a netballer or female athlete we've got to have other stuff to do when you do finish you do have plenty of options and when shit's going wrong in netball am I allowed to swear on this yeah, thing? Absolutely. great yeah, when shit's going wrong in netball you can 
go to work and put your energy in into something else and it helps you kind of recover from the average game that you played on the weekend where if you're in that full time it's just so consuming and you can't escape it so do you get good at working in a, in teams i feel like that's the other thing about this whole gym thing is like i think i would i'm good as an individual doing stuff mm. but it's the um sort of team stuff that i think dynamic i remember when i was because maybe i'm hashtag triggered from when i was an <laughs> overweight kid and i was always the last one to run when i was playing footy yeah the footy team couldn't start training until everyone had run around the oval and Did i was always that? the last one yeah and the captain was sort of like this really fit dude and he would sort of it was a bit patronizing but really nice like everyone done it and he would sort of jog on the side come on mate you can do it do everyone's it, just do sort it of like eye, eye rolling just being like man this is yeah, taking does he, way too does long does he have a podcast now yeah, exactly. no who's winning does <laughs> he have Bianca Chatfield in the room right now he's a, he's a bodybuilder now actually uh, but the yeah how do you go with team dynamics is it something that just naturally you enjoy yeah I think it's it definitely is natural but I think you also see the importance of it and how like I know I'm much better when I'm around great people like whether it's that add to your Mm. vibe or the positive energy that they give you if you might be having a bad day I could not imagine being an individual athlete or playing tennis tennis. like poor Nick Curios we know he's got a lot of issues (laughs) but he doesn't understand what it's like to have teammates there who pull you into line before Mm. the general public get the opportunity to and you know I, I do think that it's it'd be really tough for any individual athlete and even kind of using that team element when you go on to something like the block that's so kind of foreign for me the first thing we did was make sure that we had all of our trades were a similar age to us like we're good people we got to know them before the show we really wanted to surround ourselves with those people that we knew would help us Mm. because it was going to be a really shit experience if we just went in there with you know people who we didn't know or didn't want to put effort and time into you were the leader of it sounds like of the cult. No, you were the leader of the team that you were playing with. Yep. Had how does the team element come into that when you're? I mean, you're leading the team versus yep. just being a part of the team. You still are. Is yeah. it a different dynamic to yeah, just being is. a player? Yep. And and some people love it and some people hate it. It almost made me play better being the leader because I enjoyed putting time into other people. Like Mm. I loved seeing the youngest kids do really well because when I first started playing, the oldest players or the captains gave me nothing. Like didn't even care whether I was playing well or not. It was almost like they were threatened by anyone who was coming up. So I always remember how they made me feel. And so it was always at the forefront of my mind that no matter who we had in our team, no matter how good they were, that you didn't ever want to make them feel how I felt when I was younger. Um, and it made me play better because you're so out of your own head because you're thinking, okay, how's she going? Is she going all right? Yep, she's playing well. Great, got to encourage her, got to keep her up, got to keep her positive because I know she might be struggling. And so you're constantly thinking about other people and then you just have to play. I think that's the, I think that's the key even with my stuff is I do well when I'm the leader. I'm not good at being told what to do. <laughs> is, there, is there benefits in going through being told what to do? Like... I guess you being the player and also Mm. the leader player. Yeah. But I think it depends if you see success or not. Like if you're told what to do and it never works out, you never kind of understand or want to believe in it. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing it and you see it works, then you kind of carry it on as you get older and older. I just remember a PT saying, yelling at me, do you want the abs? And I just like yelled back at him and said, you don't even fucking have abs because it's like, and like, and so I feel like when you're coming from that sort of plate, like I feel like in those moments you have the the option of sort of be like taking that energy in a really positive way, yeah, and being like, yeah, I want the abs, but I just could never. I could never sort of bow my head down and let that sort of happen. Yeah. Do you reckon you can be? There's so much about role modeling. I reckon. Do you reckon you can be a fat? <laughs> this is probably so inappropriate. A fat PT. A fat PT. Mm. I, I, I knew a lot when I was, and I remember being the class that I was in when I, I did it with probably 20 other people. Yeah. I reckon 5% of them went on to actually be personal trainers. Wow. But I remember just being in the room, and I was young, 17 at the time, mm. looking around and, and just thinking, God, they are not PTs. <laughs> but then I remember seeing some ones that were overweight. So I guess it's depending on where you're coming in and are you going to be just someone who has a lot of knowledge in their brain then yeah. you probably could be one yeah. that's overweight but if you're wanting to condition people for competition 
then maybe you need to have proven it. It's like the business coach that has no business chops. Yeah. Never scaled a business. Yeah. Uh, and they're teaching people how to scale businesses. Yeah, that's I right. mean, maybe, like, I think I'd probably be more worried about, like, the fat dietitian because at least, <laughs> well, like... doctors, there's a lot of fat doctors. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it's almost like, especially, I feel like this happens in the US. You see these, like films about diabetes and stuff mm. like that and then you see the experts come on screen i think it's a hard gig for the person who like because there feels like there's a bit of a misalignment doesn't yeah. there yes. in like what they're saying versus what yeah. they're sort of um yeah how they're projecting i themselves. reckon there's a lot of dietitians out there that have come from you know eating disorders or things yeah. that have kind of got them passionate about that mm. field and but they're healthy, obviously, when they're mm. practicing. I think that's okay because you've at least pulled yourself out of... You've gone through the journey. That's journey why like, so many psychologists are a bit fucked up, a bit tweaked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've all had their sort of... <laughs> well, you're the leader of the team, the girls, yeah. and then you obviously had the people above you, the coaches. Was there? Did you ever get a bit of that? Don't tell me what to do. Uh, not, not really. It depends. I definitely, um, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I definitely had a lot more respect for coaches that I knew had been players. Yeah. Respect's probably the wrong word, but that you just gravitated to what they said if they've lived and breathed and felt what you were going through at the time. Mm. So, so Simone McInnes, who's the coach of the Vixens now, and I had her, and you know, she was a gun Australian player. So. I was almost intimidated by her the minute she'd try and tell me things to do. I'd be like, oh, God, oh, I played bad in front of her. And you just had this different feeling to a coach who probably, you know, usually comes through like a teaching background and might have played netball but not necessarily at the highest level. You kind of struggle to see how they see it from your point of view. Yeah. It's really interesting. I wonder because I've been thinking a lot about the difference between sort of mentorships and coaching and sort of coaching, not necessarily within the sporting context, mm-hmm. but sort of in sort of more sort of life or business. And I, someone's telling us the other day, I think even maybe uh, Peter Shepard, mm. who is, we've had on previously, talking about, you know, coaching is about asking questions yeah. and getting the getting the person to come up with their own answers. Yeah. What was the some of the mechanisms you learned as a leader that you've taken on through the block through business? Probably getting to know the people that you're working with. So even if it's spending two minutes you know, speaking to the girls on their own about what's going on in their world, what they're studying, kind of understanding them as people, not just as a netballer. That to me, I always felt much better about it when people did it to me and knew me as a person. And so I would try and do that. And I think that's kind of helped me in that, you know, a lot of our tradies, for example, might have done something on the weekend or something they were passionate about they were going off and they were excited to do and then so the first time we'd see them on a Monday morning we'd be like how was it tell us about it show us photos how was the rodeo yeah Yeah, you just it's things that excites other people they just come out of their shell when you trigger that emotion in them that you're interested and that you care yeah um and so yeah I I definitely tried to do that as a captain um and I played much better for coaches that tried to do that to me as well do you need to be liked as a leader Oh, I don't think so. By the end, I, I, well, I think to some degree probably, yes, but there were definitely players that didn't like me. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, by, as I was getting older and more experienced, all I cared about was that they would respect that I put the team first. Yeah. Because sometimes decisions don't suit everyone and that's a leader has to make those decisions and calls, mm. but only if it's the right thing for the team, not for me as such. So that's hard. It's hard to be selfless in, in an environment like that, but... That's what I would always say was number one. And then if that pissed some girls off, then so be it. I'd try and kind of mend the relationship, but there's not much I could do about it if they didn't respect me for putting the team first. Have you got thick skin, do you think? Yeah, I think I developed it definitely over time. And just learnt not to worry about shit I can't control. Mm. Like if a coach hated me, like one of the Aussie coaches dropped me at one stage and... um, she just was off me. You know, when you're not a favorite and, mm-hmm. you know, you just know you can't change your mind. No matter how you play, you know she's just done with mm-hmm. me. And so I just had to learn to let that go. And it took me ages. It took, you know, speaking to people like Craig Harper, who would always be someone I'd go to, where he'd just try and kind of coach me through that. Just let her go. Like you can't 
even change her mind. So you've just got to go back to the level below, play as well as you can. Kind of your time will come again when you can go back up. And it happened when that coach retired and the new one came in. And I was like, yes. Just kick him out. Basically. Here we go. So snuck in, came captain. What was, the, what was the crossroads like when you were – so 18, things were going big for you from a netball point of view. What was the other options? Um, <laughs> didn't really have many. Well, <laughs> I went to uni and did a teaching degree, yeah. but that wasn't like... Like a PE teacher's... PE type. science. That's yeah, my qualification. I know my first 20 elements, which is probably the most science thing I know. Was, was that plan B? Was well, it all no, because like- I was always going to do both because I didn't realise that netball was going to be 100% my full-time job. Um, so I just thought I would do both for as long as I could, but I only ended up teaching part-time for a couple of years and then have never done it since, so... Did you ever, did you have moments of dealing with shithead kids and just being like, how the fuck am I here when I'm like top of my when game? I'm playing for Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, is there a little well, bit of that? Like it is an amazing achievement. It's like I'm at the top of my fucking game and here yeah, I am yeah. subbing in for these little assholes <laughs> who won't do what they're told. Well, it was more the teachers that I found. The kids, I love the naughty kids because yeah. they were the ones with the personalities. Yeah, like they yeah. were the ones that like would make me laugh and because I was teaching as a 21-year-old yeah. and a lot of the, you know, the girls I was teaching with like 17 18 because they were in year 12 and so it was very odd to be in that environment but I love the naughty ones and then it was the staff who I'd be going oh I've got to go to Jamaica for three weeks with the Aussie team and the staff would bitch and moan behind my back and I'd just be like you know what? I can't It's another deal with small this. world, isn't it? Schools are hilarious oh, yeah. like that. Politics. Yeah. I'm like, please, I don't need to be part of this. <laughs> Ego and competitiveness. Do you think they go hand in hand? Like, you know, business... I guess money's the thing that really pulls out egos. But mm. I guess when you're up against a bunch of people... Ego mm. can help thrust you forward in some respects. It's a confidence yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah everyone has it. That's right. It's just how much it controls you, I think. It's yeah. In the sport world, yeah. how do you find it? Um, yeah, everyone has it. Everyone, I think the smart people use it to their advantage and tone it down when it's obviously becoming a disadvantage. It's yeah. like you kind of learn how to control it. Um, but... Oh, the competitiveness, I think it's got to be inbuilt in you to be an athlete in the first place. Yeah. So I don't I, think I could. I couldn't be one. An athlete? No. Nah. No, nah, either could I. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with our mental state and more to do with our but yeah, sporting but abilities. The minute I finish playing, I've not gone back on the netball court. I've got no interest in playing netball again. As soon as I retired, I, that competitiveness just disappeared. Interesting. And that's what I wasn't expecting. And people want to compete with me now. And I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered. Where do they compete with you? Well, whether it might be at F45, they want to challenge me or... Because oh, they know you could... You yeah, because they, they know I've been fierce, so yeah. they want to try and smash me because they're like, oh, you're, you used to be an yeah. athlete. It's, it's going to be their bubble. They get to work. Guys, I uh, smashed Bianca Chatfield yeah. today <laughs> at the gym. No worries that she's old now and <laughs> can't run. But uh, And then, and then um, they kept saying that to us on the block, actually. They were like, come on, you two are really competitive. And we're like... Yeah, but we're not experts in this area. Like, yeah. we're competitive within ourselves to, like, get the best out of ourselves, blah, blah, blah. But we're certainly not wanting to, like, tell a builder over there that we're way better than him than we're going to beat him because yeah. he's the expert and we're not. Um, you Have you seen any of the block back yet? No. We, well, they showed us the first episode um, while we were filming and that's it. Well, if, they, if you were to... Like write yourself as like oh, a character you're writing for the Herald Sun. You're the what villain. Have they, yeah, what have they painted you as? Because we know how crafty we can be editing videos. What are you? Um, and is it noticeable that they've sort of painted ooh. you in a light? I reckon every week's really quite different, but we're definitely like the two sporty girls, like best friends, like have a bit of fun, always kind of the happy, positive ones, yet are trying to be quite savvy on the side. So that's that's how it kind of plays out for us. But I don't really know how it's going to be edited. Okay. So we're certainly not the villains, but it doesn't mean we don't get into conflict with people. Yeah. Like we certainly get into conflict with people, but we tried as hard as we can to um, not be a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it, was it uh, what you expected? Um, oh, probably like work ethic and... That side of things, yes, although it pushed me more than I probably ever thought. The lack of sleep is the hardest thing to deal with. Mm, I need, we talk about this so much. Oh. If Josh doesn't get his eight hours, he's grumpy. Really? Yeah, I need eight hours. It's really sad, isn't it? No, I'm, I'm with you if you can get it. We yeah, go if you can get it. Friday, sometimes we went all Friday night, no sleep, 
Or Were you effective though? This is the thing that I wonder. <laughs> like, I, there's this diminishing returns that I find that happens where I'm like, I'm awake right now, and it's it feels a bit tokenistic because I'm doing nothing productive. <laughs> Josh, maybe in real life, reality TV, it's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. keep them awake, get them crazy. Well, that's the whole thing. I know that with like Married at First Sight and stuff, we've had a friend. What do they do? Uh, do that no they they um a friend was telling me how she was one of the bridesmaids and they basically get them pissed but then they also like hold them off for a long period of like they the producers have these techniques just to really get you pissed off when your buzz is gone after you've been drunk and then you're tired you just want to go home then you'd be real crabby did you are there tactics like that that well not not really so the block you got machinery. You don't want to necessarily yeah. be drunk and tired with a chainsaw no, or whatever. There's you. not much drinking that goes on at all. Like it's very much that we're treated like adults. Like we're given a car. We can drive wherever we want. Like you don't have to be on site if you don't want to be. Yeah. You, we stay there. We obviously live there. Um, but you have your mobile phone on you 24-7. Like you can communicate with whoever you want to in the real world. We would drive home on a Sunday, do our washing because we're from Melbourne. So mm. yeah, there's little things like that where it's very different, I think, to other reality shows. Like apparently on MasterChef, the contestants get their phone for two 10-minute phone calls a week. That's all they're allowed their phones that for. That's outrageous, isn't it? That's yeah, uh, I know. That's what I think. I'm like, why would you do that? But I think the block is good, but I haven't been on any other ones, so I don't know. And so how much are they actually recording? Like, do you get a sense that anytime you're on location, they're recording audio and they're sort of – or do you t- yeah. t- t- feel like a start and stop type of thing? No, no. So they, as soon as they wake you up in the morning, they'll wake you up about 6 a.m. So they wake you up? Yeah. Camera crew, boom mic. This is like in. North Korea type of shit. Just like, <laughs> and I mean, I'd like someone to come wake me up in the morning. Yeah, with a camera in your Scott, face, no, and you're like, no. minus the camera. Scott Cam is uh, Kim Jong Un. He's got that vibe. And so, yeah, what's the deal? So you well, wake so, up with cameras and stuff. Yeah. Would you would you have a face of makeup? Did you sleep with makeup on? Nah. Or you just didn't give I a fuck. I just didn't care in the end. Yeah. Um, in the end. So it was, end. A, it was start, a learning I, process. Like I'd wake up before the cameras and we were quite often up and about before they came into the room and then by the end you just can't move so you're like I'm staying here until I have to get up. But then as soon as you, you actually get up then they physically put a mic on you and you've yeah. got that mic on you probably till about 11 o'clock at night until you go to, go to bed. So you're always being recorded. There's car cams in the cars so you're yeah. always recorded when you're in the cars. Any awkward like toilet situations I remember uh, I would always unplug to go to the toilet. Yeah, good, good idea. idea. Not everyone would though. Yeah. I don't know if that's because I've got experience working in the media that I'm like, everyone's listening. <laughs> like, yeah. unplug. Yeah. I know. I remember when I was I worked at the fire brigade in the media department and I was looking through training footage and a guy was wearing a helmet cam. This was early days of oh. helmet camps and he'd forgotten about it and went to the toilet. And I just, it was that very Whoops. quick, like scrubbing through the footage. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I know the poor editors that have to edit all that footage. There's like 220 hours a week of footage they get and they've got to edit it into four hours do you actually spend much time hanging out and chatting with the crew or are they sort of separated no we do we did quite a bit Mm. if anything you'd be painting and the crew would be walking around and i'd be having a chat to them the whole time and they'd be like shut up bianca we can't just have you talking to us on camera all the time um but no it was like a family like Mm. the block is like this family of the whole crew work on every series. They've been there for 10 years. They mm, all wow. really love the show and want it to be successful. So, um, yeah, they, I don't know. They, they care about us too. Like there's mm. a lot of times where they were quite worried about us or they would make sure that we were eating or they would make sure that we, you know, um, didn't drive the car if we hadn't had enough sleep. Like they were just very protective and I really like that about it. How bizarre is reality television? Well, oh. the funny thing is that the within the radio industry, it's sort of – a lot of people, you know, sort of complain and moan about the the idea that all these up and coming radio people, yeah, you know, they're Tommy did Shepparton for two years out, yeah. you know, regional yeah. radio. That got my all, phone for ten minutes every two days, <laughs> and all the, uh, you know, for for a number of years, it's quite common for you know metro radio stations to pick you up. Uh, you know, pick up reality stars because you already have a bunch of brand equity. You know, yes. Channel Nine's chucked a bunch of money. Yeah. Have you been thinking about how you're actually going to leverage the opportunity? And is it something that the producers will coach you through or help you through? Or do you feel like there's support in that way? Not really. Like it, there's it's probably like two completely different things because the show mm. have their own objectives. Yeah. And if you want to be on it, you've got to kind of do whatever they want you to do. 
Um, but for me, like I've done bits of radio too. I was on this Eon sports station and I was doing brekkie radio on that and that lasted six months until they stopped paying me. And oh, that was with um, that whole Tara. St- yes, with so Tara. My wife's good friends with Tara. Yeah, so I was doing that and like love the radio world um do a bit of media with um on channel seven actually different station on house of wellness with chemist warehouse so i go and present stories on fitness and health whether it be about kids or so i kind of love that part of my job and i would like to do more of that um i just used to get so annoyed that everyone would put you in like the netball category like they're like oh you're just a netballer or Mm. you know how can like i'd be talking about afl and rugby and everything on radio which i loved but yeah people very much put you in this netball thing so yeah. I'm hoping that out of the block people just see you as Bianca and not as mm. Bianca the nebula. It feels like <laughs> a good opportunity for me to bring up rebranding I, this, I <laughs> mentioned this every single show we have so mm. I I've actively had a rebrand, personal rebrand, uh, new glasses, right. uh, clothing, all that sort of thing. You see Thailand. You feel great? Jo- yeah, I do feel great. Tommy, uh, you know, I've had a, a bunch of mates, especially especially mates who you've, you've been friends with for a while. They pick up on it. It's like, what's, what, do you, what do you think you're doing? Yeah. You're, changing, you're changing your look. <laughs> do you think... <laughs> What are you trying to hear, mate? Something feels you, off. Yeah, something's a bit what off. What are you trying? You've been a bit try hard. Do you think? Have you ever had the desire to do a bit of a rebrand? And when you left, you know, netball and things like that, have you actively sort of drawn a line in the sand and said, "I'm, I want to be seen as something else"? Oh, uh, probably, probably was retiring. Is when I had. Your first year, any athlete says this. Any footballer will say your first year out after retiring. You, ha- you like work your ass off because you've got all these opportunities. Everyone comes at you like, mm. yeah, we want you to do this, do this, do this. And I was doing the commentary for the netball on Channel 10 and I'm traveling around all weekend. And I just said to myself, what am I doing? I yeah. gave up netball to get a life back and yeah. to get weekends back. Yet I'm traveling every weekend, calling the netball and watching more netball than I did when I played. And it was probably at that moment that I was like, okay, as much as it's easy for me to get work in the netball space, I really want to branch out from that and go and experience this big bad world of all this other stuff, whether it be sport or like the leadership part, which I'm obviously passionate about from my experiences through sport. So it was probably that moment then where I was like, right, I'm going to have to say no deliberately to jobs, even though it might cost me for a little while, but branch out into this other area that I will know will give me many more opportunities if I just hang in there. Do you remember the specific step, the first step into that new world? Uh, I think it was just simply saying no to, it was about saying no to Melbourne Vixens about going back and working there and helping them in the the leadership space. It was about saying no to netball commentary opportunities. Mm. Mm. I was just like, I've got to get out of here. I've got to be a different person to what everyone knows me in the netball world mm. for me it was saying no to cargo pants which is sort of <laughs> really slightly similar yeah <laughs> and those shirts the just just buy just jeans yeah. oh yeah I've had a few, a be, best and less i used to because well, when, when i was a uh, not to bring it back to me being a fat kid but i will uh <laughs> does this I, come up every podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely it's actually it's a therapy, therapy session okay, it's, a therapy. Okay, good, it's the I'm cheapest glad. way we can do it no but i remember watching queer eye for the straight guy and they talked oh. about uh vertical being very slimming vertical stripes oh, yes. yeah. so i was sort of like a 13 year old going to parties in sort of business a business shirt sort of style and that was fabulous. A, yeah, fabulous. as you can tell josh is a thinker yeah he, very analytic <laughs> well he's analytic on himself i think it's an awareness of where he is and what he's doing um what are yeah. you like are you uh, someone that reflects in the moment or um down the track no i don't know that's tricky I, like I had a similar experience with the stripes, but it was more <laughs> I knew when I was out there on court because when you're playing for Australia, you're in this tiny little gold dress. Like yeah. gold is not great for anybody. It's not slimming. Is it like metallic gold? It, was um, it? No, it was just no, like, it's like a yellow, yeah, really. It's, it's yellow. Terrible. You're playing it up, calling it gold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm trying so to be respectful. Remember, I'm like, I don't remember it being gold. <laughs> yeah. it Green and gold, you know, Green our and colours yeah, and yeah, all yeah. of that. But there was a moment where fake tan started to become quite fashionable. And uh. so you knew when you would watch the games back on TV you'd be like hang on when I've got fake tan on I look yeah. so much fitter yeah. and I look much better wearing yellow so I remember that moment that from then on every single game I played I was fake tanned up to the max is this weird I look at like soccer players and um, AFL footy players and I think how the fuck have these guys lucked out half of them are really good looking they're really good at sport they got lots of money mm. this is bullshit I wonder what comes first 
Maybe they were all picked on the, the teams. Go yeah. back and see their like photos when they were drafted and they've all got like acne skin <laughs> and they all look like these tiny little teenage yeah. kids and exactly. then all of a sudden... They all get a, like a dose of Roaccutane and sort of... Yeah, and some money sort of, to some then just start reflecting. Are, is it something you're conscious about? Like, are you thinking, okay, eyes on me now. <laughs> like, did, you, did that get to your head? Because I can imagine it, it would for some. It became an addiction for us in the team all the so time. The spray tans? The spray tans. <laughs> really? Like, honestly... Like, like to the point where you had a tent in the in the back or whatever. Yeah, well, we would travel like overseas with the Aussie team, like whether it be a Com Games or a World Champs, and we'd have spray tanners come yeah. into the hotel and spray us before a test. <laughs> it's match. like you got to pick budget wise between having an osteo or having <laughs> yeah, a spray tan. And some of the girls got like they were qualified in tanning. I don't know what that qualification involves, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. they would Shirt bring three. the yeah, they, <laughs> they would bring the spray gun and we'd like wreck the bathrooms in in the hotels because we'd stand in That's the shower funny. and they'd spray us and it'd go every. Everywhere, and we're like, oh, if we're leaving tomorrow. We'll be fine. Is there any of this action on the block? Um, no, I was I was doing a little tan job on my own, just <laughs> making sure that I because also Carla, who I'm doing with my friend, she's got beautiful dark skin, so mm. I look albino next to her. So I had to kind <laughs> of make sure that I at least didn't look too pale and pasty. What's the what's uh, like com games like? Like what's the what's the vibes in those sort of environments in regards to like community like when it comes to you know it's it's like basically what i want to know is you know like the olympics they talk about it's the like village. a village it's a big sex fest and all I that heard sort of that. thing the village do, do when they're these, handing out condoms yeah something like that like all these like big sporting events and stuff is like what is the vibe like do people like do, do you have friends from all the different just, countries just before yeah. you speak there's a bunch of good looking athletes in a yeah. village <laughs> I could only imagine what goes down. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's ex- it is like that. It yeah. is this because you're finally a part of a bigger team than just your team, mm. and that's all you're usually used to. So you get in there and like in the massive dining hall that's got every single cuisine that you could want. It's not healthy food; it's just mm. whatever's there. Yeah, and you know you have your same bolt just sitting over at the table next to you. Like it's the most ridiculous world and the condoms I don't hand out as such but in like the medical team offices there's all these like big bowls of them that people can just grab if they want to the thing for netball though is we were always our event went from day one and we were the last event before the closing ceremony all the time so the swimmers would race for the first couple of days they were done they would just party and they would gain like 20 kilos (laughs) yeah they would and then they'd retire and then they'd get fat and there were all sorts of disasters but uh yeah so it it, i felt like as netball as much as it was great to win a gold medal and get to the last game we missed out on a lot of partying because we only got one night of it whereas most people got at least five or six. Did you, were you involved in the coverage of the Gold Coast stuff? Did no, you? I was in the block bubble. I oh. didn't even get to watch it. Oh, so wow. a lot of the girls were texting me saying what was going on. But yeah, we weren't really able to watch it. Because I actually went to the Gold Coast. Not at for the same the, time though? It wasn't for the Com Games. It was during the Com Games, but it was because it was quiet. And so I just like, it was such an interesting what do you vibe. Mean it was quiet? Well, so my mate, my mate had a, had an apartment and in Surface Paradise or whatever. And uh, he said, oh man, come up. There's like no one here. And so I went up and it was like, they had traffic, the people sort of directing traffic like you know with the with the big sort of red sticks or whatever yeah and there's literally no one crossing the road <laughs> oh. it was like a really and so you'd go into restaurants and you know, i was speaking to this dude who had a persian restaurant who was like you know this was he was like ready for like a really big you know they were, yeah. all the businesses were told that this was going to be you know a really big oh, event and right. it hadn't been oh, more quiet really sad. Yeah. Some people, and some people lost money because they actually didn't get bookings people left yeah, at right. that time like locals get got out of there but so were there crowds at the events well the, the events were all filled up like the actual events were all full like I couldn't even get into because it was all like a last minute thing there yeah. was very few actual events so I didn't go to any events but on the strip they had really good uh, like live shows and stuff music yeah, yeah, yeah. performances and all that sort of thing which was really cool mm. but it was really quiet Ghost it town. felt like it was one of those you know when you know, it feels like they've over-invested in something yeah. and it like mm. looks amazing and you're like, yeah. this would be awesome if there was just like a few hundred thousand more people. Yeah. Where, where, where was yours? 
the, the one that you competed in, yeah. Oh, I played in Glasgow and I also played in Melbourne in 2006. Oh, so yeah. the best part about Melbourne was, one, because you're here, but it's like the community aspect of it where all the volunteers and, and you walk around the streets now and people still wear their volunteer outfits or they'll have <laughs> a backpack or they'll have something on from the 2006 game. Those and, people are probably the same ones that wear the Qantas jammies around. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I do love seeing that, that so many people got into it with they love sport or not yeah. they just wanted to be a part of it if you were to rebrand the com games what would you do <laughs> you love your brand yeah, don't no, you but i just see it like i th- i think that maybe this year there was definitely you know the vibe could have done some like from what i heard people were yeah. like a little bit disappointed what what do you think why don't we just make the olympics and the com games just combine all the sports mm. so all the sports go across the same and just have one big event every four years yeah it makes so, a lot of sense. Agree, so put netball in the Olympics. Put some of the other sports that aren't in there. Bang. The Olympics are crazy. <laughs> I was I went to the London Olympics. I didn't actually go to any of events, but I was working at the radio station at the time for FIFA and Jules, and was the digital content dude. So yep. I was filming, and um, it's the craziness around the Olympics is how strict they are on the rights and stuff like that. Like oh, you yeah. can't Broadcast, mention yeah. the, you can't mention the Olympics. You can't like. Especially in this digital age, it's got to be um, it's it's got to be pretty hard. Mm. Well, like bike races, you can't even film. Yeah, well, we we ha- we had a guy on Cycling Maven who's this uh, cycling cycling dude, and he did a big Kickstarter campaign to go to a cycling event and yep. do some coverage. And he didn't have any media accreditation, so his it ended up being a vlog of just sort of him. It was almost like Gogglebox, yeah. you know. It was just yeah. sort of like talking about and, talking about a bike, <laughs> which is exactly what his community wanted, but was obviously for people who are expecting some form. But those rights are old, aren't they? How they sign on to the broadcast deals yeah. because mm. they yeah they're no way suited to today's day and age where even the athletes we can put across whatever we want to put across on our socials, mm. yeah. and with Com Games you're restricted. Like I had. Like some of the sponsors that I had, I wasn't allowed to wear. Like I had Puma for like 10 years, but when I went to Com Games, I wasn't allowed to wear their shoes and I had to wear Deodora or whoever the sponsor was. And you're thinking, really? Like, how's that? And it's so annoying because <laughs> your, your your sponsors have put in all the years. Yeah, pay you money. They, they've <laughs> done all that throughout the thing. It's like, it's like the equivalent of us like, you know, one day being big and having a sponsor throughout the whole thing and then on the big grand whatever episode 1000 of the daily talk show when we actually have people listening could you imagine <laughs> um yeah not being able to that would be a, yeah, be painful showcase. but anyway i mean we can't fix everything at once can ha- we have you done the whole corporate speaking <laughs> circuit thing uh, i do do it but i do it more from a leadership point of view so mm-hmm. going into talking to businesses around things like we've been talking about like you know mm. how important it is to build relationships and real relationships with your staff and you know getting rid of the hierarchy that's in there and getting people to have buy-in so I do a lot of that I'd rather do stuff that's meaningful than just go on there and go I played netball one day and mm. yeah. I can, can you actually see that you can take things that were from the, your sporting career into absolutely like yeah definitely and I've got this real passion for athlete kind of well-being too so you know and that's no different to a normal person's well-being that no matter what organization you're in you've got to it's you've got to be mindful of it and people's mental health and how you can deal with that and how you can support people who are struggling with things like that so mm. yeah everything that happens in the athlete world is just the same as what happens in the normal yeah. world how do you reconcile like the thing that i've been struggling with of late is like everyone's just making everything up you know, like this. You know, like what do you mean? It, like in the in the sense that, like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people. Even that statement is that yeah. the vibe you get yeah. from me? No, 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 no. But no, but I think that is there's that thing where it's like, um, you know, because you are no bullshit and all that sort of thing. <laughs> do you think that you know people like to speak in matter of fact terms? Like, this is the way. This is the only way. How have you sort of worked with that, with being a no bullshit type of person? You know, how do you sort of form, how have you sort of formed, you know, your... Like your own values. Yeah. And, oh, I don't know. I think it just evolves over time and mm. you do get influenced by people along yeah. the way and you either give it a go and it doesn't work for you or 
you don't believe that person in the first place. But, you know, I think it's about being able to talk about it with people that you trust too. So again, surrounding yourselves with those great people where you can say, okay, I'm thinking this, I'm doing this. Is this right? Does this add up? Is this where I want to go? And having them be honest with you. And that's another thing you get from being an athlete is you learn pretty quickly that you love feedback and you want feedback. And the harsher it is, almost the better it is. And you come out into normal world and people don't like giving you feedback. People don't like, you know, sitting you down and go, okay, you need to communicate better. You need to do this better. Were you thirsty for it after you yeah. came out of the sporting world? We're all we get it. It scares you in the sporting world, but then you get used to it, and then you realise that no one's comfortable doing it in the outside world. How do you tease it out of people? How do you tease real feedback that's not just sort of niceties, but stuff that you can actually implement? Yeah, I think it's it's just a, it's it's a process. You can't mm. just sit down in a meeting and go right because <laughs> like I learn differently to how yeah. you learn differently. It's literally how I do it. The first question I ask <laughs> someone when they listen to the podcast, I say, "Tell me why it's shit." Like, mm. really, I want to know like what am I doing wrong? Yeah, and I want you to like in this moment. It just slam me and, and then, do people uh, but, go oh no it's really yeah good. exactly and yeah. I've, just, yeah, I've watched people struggle with that answer and not everyone i don't think maybe not everyone's up for having those conversations or giving the feedback yeah. or trying it, to do it in a way where just give me two things you think i should i can do better and two yeah. things that you loved about it yeah like sometimes it's just breaking it down like that where that i treat it more it like out. a roast like i might just roast me yeah. yeah, and people are like, oh no, because no, no. <laughs> they like they're worried that they'll that, cry, uh, which I will. <laughs> one one thing that we had to do as a team is that we'd all sit around in a circle, leading team style, like everyone knows leading teams in the sporting world. So you'd sit on a chair out the front. Every single person in your team would tell you what you need to keep doing, start doing, and stop doing. Wow! And you'd That's sit there idea. and you'd be like shaking. And I'd also had to go and do it on myself. So I'd already had done it on myself what I thought I needed to keep doing, start doing, stop doing, and then your team do it to you. Ultimately, it all comes out to be pretty similar to what you already wrote down. Like yeah. you already know it. What was the stop doing for you? Do you remember? Um, me was stop. So when I was under pressure and when I was worried or struggling, I would go really quiet. <laughs> Whereas on the court, I was always like the defender at the back that was directing play and leading mm. everyone from the back end. So when I went quiet, they were all a bit like, Get out of your shell. Like, hurry yeah. up. You need like if you're quiet, you're holding us all back. So that was my kind of. I needed to stop doing that when yeah. I was being worried. I had to be able to get myself out of it before I shut up because <laughs> it was yeah. detrimental to the team. Understand? What's more, been a more rewarding part of your life? The sporting times now, as you got out and Ooh. did the rebrand. Did the rebrand? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a hard question to answer. Probably, I mean, I've learned a hell of a lot through sport and I wouldn't be in the position I am now without sport. Um, But yeah, I just think that I, I'd like to think that I keep evolving and keep kind of pushing myself. So Mm. hopefully the best times are still to come, but I don't Mm. really know that. It feels like there is a, especially with the block, it feels like a time in your life where things could change, which is weird. It seems weird to be like putting a reality show in such a high weight of someone's life. <laughs> However, we have seen, I've seen so many times, you think about, you know, Chrissy Swan, some of the best media mm. personalities in Australia mm. have started on reality yeah. TV and not just not just within a media context, but within business or whatever it is. Have have you sort of thought about what those different directions are? You know, if I'm if we get X amount of cash, I'm going to put it in here. Or I want to do this, or I want to speak to this brand. Um, sort of. I so Carla and I, the the honest, the main reason we applied is one. I bloody love renovating yeah. and I couldn't afford to do it on my own, like I do in my own house. So mm. I was like, mm. I'd rather use their money and yeah. do this. And also we were just both bored. Like we're so used to the adrenaline rush of sport. We both retired in the same year and we've just kind of been cruising along for the last couple of years. And we're like, we just want that adrenaline rush again. And that's exactly what the block was. I don't know what happens next. Like if we make money, that's kind of a bonus, but I just hope that people and my profile changes from just being a netballer to somebody else that can, I'm happy to keep doing what I do, just kind of on a more amplified level. And so are they done? So are the the apartments done or what's the – so it starts now and Mm -hmm. then what happens in your life? In life, yeah. We just kind of go back, do a lot of PR now as it's being put to air. And then at the very final bit, then there's the – So everything's live towards the end. So the open for inspections, we've got to go back where all the public get to come through the property – um, it's crazy that day. Yeah, thousands crazy. of people go to the. I think there's like ten, twenty thousand people come through Elston Week properties, 
Uh, and then the auction is a couple of weeks later um, and that's all live too. Like we find out a reserve the day before. I probably won't sleep that night because yeah. I'll be so scared about what happens next. And then they yeah. film you the next day. Film us the next so the day, and then you've got the auction, and then goes to air on the Sunday. Interesting. So you put out today on your Insta that you oh, yeah. are on the block. Yeah, it's weird because most of your mates probably know. Yeah, and I was busted a few times because for the first time in our lives, there was paparazzi just hanging out the front, so they would be like clicking all the time. So it was in the Herald Sun when we first started filming that I was on it, which the show were like, we don't care who talks about it, we just won't agree or we just won't say who our cast is <laughs> yeah, until just not going to say yes or no yeah so then today is the first day they're like yes this is our cast and so, so what's that been like for you yeah my phone's been going crazy yeah from people who i mean obviously yeah close friends knew and so they've been along the ride with us but just people that are like oh hey b how are you going yeah. <laughs> well, like, big, oh, big yeah. <gasps> fans of the block that are acquaintances that you haven't said like you yeah know. and i'm like oh yeah i was good last week too but thanks for <laughs> yeah, asking yeah, now yeah. <laughs> that you know but that's okay. I'm I'm happy if people love the show, and especially if like netball people love it, that they yeah. get to see us in a different world. Are you going to have a bit of a, a watching routine? Are you going to sort of like have you got plans of how you're going to have a viewing party or something? I think so because it's boring watching it on your own, yeah. and we don't know what happens in the other apartments. So unless contestants tell us, producers aren't allowed to tell us what happens uh-huh, in other apartments. So when we watch it, it's the first time we're seeing what happens because we only really know like the major stuff that actually comes into ours. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's where it's going to be fascinating. And so Carla and I, we don't live together. So we were like, we can have to watch it every mm. Sunday night just so that we can kind of experience it together. Whereas all the married couples, they're just living at home and it's did, easy. Did you have your phone to be able to take photos of what the Gatwick looked like before? Like yes. some of the rooms? Yeah, can yeah, yeah. Can you show us after? Yeah, yeah, absolutely I will. This is the only reason we brought you here yeah, was yeah. just for the, for the photos. Well, we, Josh and I, we timed this well, having uh, Bianca on the did. day yeah. they mm-hmm. announced it. Hashtag exclusive this is yeah. I mean that's how organised you guys are so this you is very unlike the daily it. talk show I'd like to thank all the producers <laughs> on the show every single one of them all the team here we couldn't do it without you you'd love to be a producer uh, on that show wouldn't you yeah it would I be good fun yeah, the leader if he's a part of it if he's getting told what to do no way well I think it's interesting the, the one thing that I find fascinating is the stories we tell ourselves and so um you know, for me, I've created this like little narrative around what I was, like who I've been and all that sort of thing. Mm. Do you find that you do that a lot? Do you think about your life, beginning, middle and end? This is what, you know, when you get old, what you're going to do or are you sort of a bit of a no. day-to-day? Day-to-day. I sort of, like I'm very ambitious, but I'm very also day-to-day. Like I'm not too much of an over-planner. Yeah. So what are you going to actually do while you So with the block going to air? What, well, what so you- I still have... Like, so I do some consulting at Collingwood mm-hmm. Footy Club. So I do that in the leadership space and player welfare there. Uh, I still do work on House of Wellness TV um, on Channel 7. So, yeah, I still do lots of bits and pieces now and just see what happens come auction day. And you were talking that you want people to sort of see you more more than a netballer. Yeah. What is it? What is it? What do you want people to see? I know it's a hard question of going, who who are you? Tell us your brand. Tell us your personal brand. Yeah, I mean, it it sounds like it's something you put a bit of thought into. Yeah. um, Well, I just think it's not having the tag of that's all you've done is you've played netball. Like I think, you know, for me, like I'm quite a career-driven person. Um, Like I've written a book. I've worked in the leadership space. I run my own business um, and, you know, I work in the media. So I want people to see me as Bianca who does all of that, not as Bianca the netballer who does all of that. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense, but it makes no, sense it in my head. No, it, no, does. it makes a whole, a whole person. I had you, one video go really confused. well for me, O-Bike, where I was fishing O-Bikes out of the river. I'm now the O-Bike guy. So, oh. you know, it's not as accomplished as a professional netballer, but, you know. Do you know, who, do you know who else loves their O-Bikes? Who? Lucky. Lucky always is posting pictures. Interesting. Yeah. Of them up trees. Oh, yes, and in the river and... Yeah. Tommy loves his O-Bike. I'll send, uh, send my video through. Yeah. <laughs> See what can come out season. of that <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for chatting. It's like super interesting to hear... Um, you know, a little bit more into your mind and stuff like that. We should get you back on. You know, once we're uh, once it's all done, mm. once the block's all over, and you'll be like, Bianca, you said you weren't going to be the bitch. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, we, the we, villain. No, we should we should Welcome get you back, back on. Bianca, the villain. Yeah, the yeah, villain. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it like like way after. We'll do it in like uh, wait. When's the actual auctions happening? End of October. End of September. Fuck October. October. That's, That's exactly. Yeah, are you going to be back, back from your yeah. holiday? Oh, are you going to miss End the whole o- thing? Yeah, I know, but I can well, just be there. You can for, watch it on catch up. I can be there when you're like collecting your check and stuff like that. Yeah. 
last few Hopefully it's a big I'm going to need to borrow five grand. <laughs> 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 Put in a bit of debt after that trip. Exactly. Thanks, Bianca. <laughs> Thank you.